No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. I watched the dub and I watched the English version uh, or like the subtitles and um, the only character I noticed had the same name in both versions was Tarzan (laughs) (laughs) and Tarzan totally reminded me that of this thing I'd forgot where in Fort Lauderdale Florida there's like this little bit of woods between the airport and the train hop out and that's where I was, like, hiding with a friend for four days trying to figure out how to hop trains, just, like, sleeping in those woods. And there was this guy that came up to us, and he was like, hey, just so you know, I hid all my traps because I saw you guys, and I don't want you to get hurt, but you should be more careful. And we eventually followed him back to his place, and he had literal holes in the ground with spikes coming out of them that he had put boards over when he saw us. And he had, like, this structure he'd built... And anyway, he'd lived there for 10 years, and his name was Tarzan, and he was a very cool <laughs> dude. <laughs> Sounds like a sweet uh, And that's what this dude reminded me of. Did he ever catch anyone in the spikes? I I mean, they were only, like, like you're, you would go, like, ankle deep and be in them. I hope not, man. But he said he lived there for 10 years, so I don't know, maybe. Did he ever smash anybody's skulls? I don't think so, but the reason he's called Tarzan is because he was running from the cops one time, according to him, and he jumped off a freeway overpass into the ocean and split his balls in half, and on the way to the hospital, when the cops grabbed him, they called him Tarzan. (laughs) What the hell? So he took the name. Was he living in the woods? He was living in this tiny patch of woods, like really small, between the airport and the train tracks like less than an acre of woods and the cops apparently were like fully aware of his big structure he'd built there and i went on some he like sent me on a side mission i like borrowed a bike and got him beer i don't remember it was a long time ago but he was a nice man and i will never forget that he covered his spike traps for me because i guess we gave off good enough vibes or something that's good um (laughs) anyway that's so crazy i I, I guess if I lived in the woods, I'd build little traps. I don't know. I just don't feel crafty enough. <laughs> giant spike traps doesn't sound like little traps. It wasn't giants. It was like like you'd go ankle deep in it, and there were spikes like, I don't know, six inches. But to me, they're giant. They'd go through my foot. That you sounds know? fucking giant to me. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted, didn't want you to think it was catching like a whole ass human or like. Right. That is know. what I imagined is that. Yeah. He totally. dug a huge hole. No. Like in Delaware, they found um, uh, when they're doing, they're building a highway and they had to do an archaeological dig before they built the highway. And um, one of the things that they found was a wolf pit, uh, which was what? just a giant pit that um, they tricked wolves into falling into. In Delaware? Whoa. And dying. Yeah. Wow. I would think Delaware is too boring for wolves. It is now. Wait, are you telling me they were Delaware wolves? No, I don't think so. I think they're just, just <laughs> regular yeah, wolves. Delaware wolves. Wolves don't wolves. belong to any state. 
Regular. All right, fair. Regular fair. wolves. In Delaware. In Delaware. Yeah. There were also known as Delaware wolves. Delaware, Delaware. Delaware okay. wolves. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. No, good to check. <laughs> Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. I'm Charlie. I'm Bardo. And this week we're talking about 1991's Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Next week you'll wanna you'll wanna be here next time because uh, we're talking about Gamera Super Monster, a lot of people's favorite Gamera movie. Uh, and we're also gonna maybe not just talk about the movie, but do something else. I don't know. If, should we talk about it? Should we not? No, no that's I maybe think it's surprising. I like the surprise. Cool. Uh, so be prepared to be surprised. Um, before we get to the synopsis, uh, I did not do any like research on this one. Did either of y'all do you have any references you want to mention? Yeah, so I have the eighty-eight films limited edition version of this that came out a couple years ago. On that, there are four commentaries. Uh, uh the first on Frank Jang. Then one with Mike Leader and Arnie Venema, Venema, and then one with Kim Newman and Sean Hogan, and then one with Audie Sorley and Chris Ling. I watched all four of those, and then there is a thirty-seven minute interview with the lead actor, uh, Fan Suong, or Louis Suong, as he's more known in the West, um, which I watched about half of. There's also a book of, of essays, which unfortunately I did not have time to get to. And then I also watched one of the two OVAs that came out for this movie. Uh, I started watching the second one, but then the subtitle file kept getting messed up. So I, What's an I, OVA? It's, uh, I think it stands for Original Video Animation. It, it's like a straight-to-video anime. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so so there were two there was two forty five minute OVAs that came out before this. Um, the first one is the entire prison section, so and that's the one I watched. So I covered the one that was the same as this movie, um, and then I spent around an hour going around the Rikio manga Wikipedia, the Rikio Wikia, and just kind of like educating myself a little bit on the manga. Barta, hell yeah. It was funny. You were, it looked like you were like looking off into the distance, dude. And, and exactly like, what I was gonna bring up. And like, <laughs> just you have every single name of every single person on the commentary, just like in your head already. And I think that's really cool. <laughs> the disc menu is on the screen right now. <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah, I was like, it's, <laughs> I was like, it's gotta be. A, there's no prompter, so it's gotta be like on his shelf. And I was like, there's way too many names for a DVD box. <laughs> Like what's so going cool. on? <laughs> I, like, his... When I started, I looked up and realized that it's on the menu with all this. <laughs> I didn't realize nice. that because before it was like playing through something that I had it on mute. <laughs> um, I googled uh, Ricky O analysis, and I didn't really find anything very good, and so I I gave up. Nice, good I work, Berto. I used my own. I read a couple things and. Most of it was like, this is a movie about, mostly about gore, but also, 
about prisons and capitalism and how they're bad. And I'm like, I figured that part out. And so I stopped. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to cite any of those sources. I knew that already. I had that part before there were humans on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I watched the movie in like the original. I mean, it seemed like it was dubbed in Chinese, but then with English audio, I don't really understand. But I watched the English subtitled one, and then I watched the English dubbed one, and that's it. I think with this release, they did an entire new translation for the subtitles, so that's why our um four Gang of Four was so off from each other. Okay. But I'm also curious about the dub track because I've always heard that the dub track on the English dub is legendary. I think on the file I sent you of the movie, it's labeled something like uh, the greatest, the greatest English track ever recorded or something yeah. like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, it was good. It was way better than I thought it would be. There were definitely parts that I preferred the subtitles. I don't know, at least like... In when they're in the graveyard, Ricky O's like, I want to use my superpowers to defend the poor. And in the dub, he says to defend the weak and things like that, where it was just different, had different meanings. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the weirdest thing was the names. It was like uh, we went over some. But yeah, the only one with the same name was Tarzan. Everybody else went from <laughs> having a totally different name to having a name like Alan or Oscar. High as Oscar. And it was just like it just didn't fit. <laughs> but it was good. It was a good dub. I'm glad I watched it dubbed. It made it easier to take notes because I wasn't having to like wonder yeah, what I was missing. That makes sense. Um, but Charlie, do you want to tell us what this is about? There is nothing in the world I'd rather do more other than party. Oh, we should say this is Charlie's pick. Pick Charlie. Charlie, Charlie picked pick, it. Charlie pick. This is my pick. Oh, yeah. um, and no, it's not my nose. <laughs> okay. Nailed it. In a post-apocalyptic society in the once distant future of 2001, prisons have done the absolutely unthinkable, most dystopian thing imaginable. They have privatized. So one of these privatized prisons in Hong Kong where we find Ricky, a young, hot piece of muscly martial artist ass who carries bullets in his body as souvenirs and, regu and regularly punches holes through the wicked. And this prison sure is full of the wicked. No. Not the average inmate, but the prison's hierarchy and award him down to the inmates that are given special privileges and powers over the others. Ricky punches through this hier hierarchy hole by hole, skull by skull, destroying the opium crop cultivated by the prison's slave labor in the process. Eventually, Ricky faces the warden himself, the fucked up, perverted, hulk-ass weirdo. And after a grueling nail-biting duel of the ages, Ricky tosses the warden and the entire concept of privatized prisons exactly where it belongs, in the fucking meat room. The end. And what the three of us have unanimously agreed is objectively the greatest movie that this podcast has covered. It's Ricky O. <laughs> the story of Ricky, baby. Can we start with the name? What's going on with the name of this movie? <laughs> yeah. Is he Ricky or Ricky O? What is the O? They're like, people won't know this is about Ricky. We, <laughs> we got to add that to the set. Uh, okay. Charlie, you picked it. What do you think of this movie? Yeah. So the reason why I picked this, uh, I went to a screen of this and it was at the time for me to announce my pick to you guys. And I thought, well, I just went and saw this. Um, so I'll pick this one. Uh, but I've also I've, I've I've loved this movie since I've first seen it. I 
I love this director, the, at least the few movies I've seen by him. Um, I think it's just an absolute fun blast of weirdness and just something that you can't get anywhere else. It's just a very unique, fun film that, uh, you know, also has some uh, politics in it, which really did not factor into me picking it, but I'm like, oh, wow, it also kind of actually fits because it's all about privatized prison. A nuanced look at the uh, phenomenon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so my general thoughts are, I I, I love this movie. Um, I... The director is kind of changing within the past. The time has been kind of changing, but he has kind of like a reputation as a bad director. Um, some of the commentaries talked about how he's considered like a Hong Kong Edward, which I think makes no sense whatsoever. Oh. I think he's, I think he's clearly a talented. You know, he's he may not be like a super auteur or anything, but he definitely knows what he's doing and is delivering what he's trying to deliver. Uh, you're not going to get the most sophisticated shots or anything, but he's not like a complete amateur. And yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Anyways, you guys. Hell yeah. Yeah. That fucking ruled. What a great, what a great pick, Charlie. It was a blast. Every moment was so stupid. Like it (laughs) it was, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a, a pretty, as far as like, action movies go as as far as i'm concerned like that is what they should be like like most of the time (laughs) that was like it it, at some level it reminded me of mad max fury road in that it just kind of like Mm. takes off and there's like these moments of respite where it's like things are hard and we, we need a reminder that like things are hard and that's why we fight and that's why we drive or whatever. And then it just like goes again. It just keeps on going. Totally. And now this was much more ignorant than Mad Max Fury Road, but that's okay. That was great. I loved it. I had so much fun. Thank you for showing me this ignorant ass movie, Charlie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what that means yet, but I'm excited to find out. Um, I okay I went into this movie wanting to like it a lot and I do like it now the first time I watched it it was maybe the worst watching experience I've had in a long time I like had just finished all my stressful shit and I was like oh I'm just gonna sit down and watch this movie and I started watching it I was like okay yeah okay and then I thought I was done like I was like this is the final battle this is awesome and I looked and I was 36 minutes in and I just got full <laughs> of dread and horror. And I was like, what? And it was just like page sticky. It took me like three hours to get through it. And I was like, I think this was because of where I'm at right now. I don't think this is the movie. Like, Wait, okay, I'm going to like chill and watch this again. What was the final Wait, sorry, fight that? that you thought you... Him fighting the first... Him, uh, him fighting before? like the, the North Wing guy with the big I... cross. I thought that was the end of the movie. Oh. I was like, this is <laughs> been awesome wow. this has been great <laughs> and then i was like what are you kidding me i'm not even a third of the way in and i was losing my fucking mind um but i was like i've had the most stressful two weeks ever i think maybe that's playing a part so i watched it again two days later and had a really great time it's fucking sick uh it like kung fu movies aren't super my thing but i loved the practical effects were so cool the like 
I think like maybe I wasn't like latching on to stuff enough the first time because I it didn't feel like there was a story. I just was like, yeah, everyone sucks and he's going to beat them all. I get it. And the second time I was starting to pick up on like the relationships inside the prison, the things the prisoners were doing that were like, you know, through lines. And anyway, at this point, I'm like, like, even when I didn't like it, I was like, I'm so glad this movie exists. This is fucking insane. This is fucking awesome that this exists. But the second time and now I'm like, okay, I actually enjoyed watching it. So, yeah. Anyway, good pick. I, there are like things that happened in the movie where I'm like, I felt very unclear as to why why they're happening like why um charlie i'm sure you could clear this up for me um i'll look it up right now why i think i could too now just so you know crack knuckles kuang is crucified who was kuang before he was crucified what happened to him okay why did he get put but put there okay he Quang was hung on the cross for questioning uh, Oscar. Like, there was a scene where Oscar was, like, doing some shit. I forget what it was. And then it was like, you don't follow the rules. Only I'm allowed to. Oh, uh, that was he was that like, guy. He was like, yeah, he was one of his helper guys, but he wanted to hurt Ricky more. And he's like, only I'm allowed to punish. Don't you care about the rules? And so they fucking hung him up. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I, I don't think I realized that was the same guy. Yeah, I didn't um, either. I, I think that was so. A different guy, because they like chopped into that guy's head with the big sword, and it went mm. like halfway through into his head. And I thought he is surely a dead man already. Why would they crucify well, him? Well, he was also dead by the time Ricky got him down from the cross. That's, that's true. Yeah, in the OVA, they talk about how that was Ricky's old roommate, and well, or cellmate, and while he, they weren't friends. Ricky's not going to just let him be up on a cross uh and die he's a compassionate guy that yeah i kind of liked in this that he didn't even need to know the guy he's just like that's fucked up yeah Yeah. um well is there any topic you want to start with charlie well first of all that guy we're talking about little trivia that's philip huang who is like a legendary hong kong martial arts actor who was one of the which guy the the guy that got the blade through his face. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, he's like a legendary Hong Kong martial arts actor who's one of the Venom mob who basically they, there's like a, six actors who did a ton of movies together. Um, uh, and he did the action choreography on this movie. Oh, nice. But, but uh, yeah, a little interesting tidbit there. Um, anyways... So one thing about this movie is that it was the actor, the main actor was, uh, he's 18 at the time they made this. Holy shit. His dad is a famous martial arts actor who was in uh, uh, Dreadnought and The Magnificent Butcher. His dad is the actor that that plays the assistant warden. That's his uh, dad in real life. Oh. And Cyclops. So, um... This main character uh, actor, we'll call him Lewis. But but Lewis had been in a few movies, and then when he was thirteen, he went to China to learn martial arts for three years, and then he came back, and he was they were like looking to make him a big star, and he made a he gotten like kind of more known before this, but this movie when he was eighteen was supposed to be like a big break for him, and it's supposed to be a huge movie. 
and they're supposed to make uh, plenty of them because this only takes up 13 chapters of the 75 chapters of the manga. This is just the introduction. Okay. So they're hoping to follow this up, and this is supposed to be his big breakout role. But basically, because this was so violent, it was the first movie that uh, Category 3, which is like the 18 and over rated R uh, rating for Hong Kong, that was usually relegated to just sex, but this is the first movie that got it for violence. Hell yeah. And oh, shit. Good for it. So Innovative. the target... Yeah. The target audience of manga readers generally couldn't go see it, as well as it was yeah. just not allowed in many Asian countries where they didn't allow any kind of pornography or anything in theaters. So that basically killed this movie's box office, and they never followed up with sequels, and it tanked his career. Um, and Damn. He, never became, he never became the star that he was supposed to. He had the face of a star. But, Handsome man. I know. Yeah. Handsome. I, I think he was also like a very charismatic actor. Um, you could definitely see him being like a big teen idol. He's also good at martial arts, which this movie doesn't show off that much, but the, you do see it in a few of the scenes. But the original manga, he basically goes on to find his twin brother who has a swastika on his hand. Um, what the hell? In the, ma- in the manga, Rikio has a Jewish star on his hand. And his brother is an evil villain. And then there's also like another evil villain who's trying to destroy all of humanity that is both Rikio's descendant and his father. Um, That's especially intense. That's incredibly intense and on the nose, which does not surprise me. But for a in Japan is especially fucking intense. Like, oh my yeah. god. Whoa. Okay. That's so weird, man. Yeah, I really... Damn, they left that out, I think. I didn't notice that. <laughs> I really That'd wish be... we'd gotten the follow-ups. Uh... Yeah, filmed that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How would That's they have crazy. done that? Like, oh, he had a Jewish star, a star of David on his hand the whole time. Uh, you just didn't notice yeah. in the first movie. Yeah, I'm assuming. I I mean, I guess because they didn't have it in this, they just that would just been something they didn't include. Sure, um, but wow. I guess Damn. in the manga, that's like where his power is supposed to come from is the his Jewish star on his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, his Judaism. Right. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> that's so wild. Cool. He's not even Jewish. He's just a, he has a star of David because he's just a Judaism fanboy. <laughs> just really likes it. Well, wait. So is it not like Qigong in the uh, in the manga? Is that not part of it? I don't remember if that's the specific martial arts or not. I think it is. I I'm pretty sure it is. It also, wasn't the even person a... the person who teaches him in the manga is uh, Chang Kai Shek's. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Um, bodyguard. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Wait, I I gotta ask a question. The guy who teaches him in the graveyard is he his uncle named Ghost, or is he a <laughs> random guy named Uncle Ghost? <laughs> good question. <laughs> That's um, a very good question. Like I said, in the manga, that is the bodyguard of uh, Chiang Kai Shek, and I don't think he's supposed to be related. Am I pronouncing that okay. right? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Chiang- how I would say it. Who's Chiang Kai Shek? Sorry, he was. He was the um. <laughs> 
fascist leader that the Chinese Civil War was against, uh, who fled to okay. Taiwan. The the president um, of wild. the Republic of China, officially, uh, according to yeah. most of the world, until like the seventies or something like that. Or not most of the Crazy. world. The, uh, the Western, the Western world. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, You're right. Yeah, here's the guy who who's. That's so um, funny. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be kind of weird, I guess. So wait, in the manga, in the manga, is he Chinese or is he Japanese? He's Japanese, and what there isn't really that? anything on the person that trains him on the wiki. So I don't think he's even a big character, which kind of makes that detail even weirder that. The fact that he's the bodyguard to this fascist political leader. Yeah. Uh, very um, strange. Yeah, because, like, because, like, Qigong, the thing that he took up, <clears throat> which is practiced by lots and lots of Chinese people and uh, other places in Southeast Asia, I don't think Japan so much. But I think about when I think about it, I think about um, Shen Young. A hundred years of yeah, that thing. Uh, yeah, their their whole show is about Qigong too, and how like the communists well, in China don't want you to uh, do Qigong anymore. Um, which what is what a trip. Which is sort of true, but was really popular like during on the communist side during. Uh, the Revolutionary War, because like it was used in like rural communities for like health reasons and stuff like that when there weren't like doctors around or whatever. So the the party like ostensibly got behind it. I don't really know where it was in the early '90s. I was trying to like think about like what the politics of this movie actually are because like it is ostensibly anti-capitalist in some way, um, but. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get like a read on like how it felt about anything in particular. And that was just like one of those little like clues to me and and Uncle Ghost <laughs> felt like, yeah. like he was a cipher totally. that I just needed to crack and I just was unable to. I gotta say in that scene it was very funny that at least in one of the translations, like he so Ricky's going to his father's grave, I think, in that gravesite when he meets Uncle Ghost and He's like, I want to use Qigong to help the poor. And they're like, cool, let's start by destroying half of the headstones in this poor people's cemetery. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. What a strange scene. very funny. Like, let's just yeah. train by breaking all these <laughs> yes. headstones. In half. And this is your father, and this is your aunt, and this yeah. is the guy down the street. Like, uh, trip. Yeah, remarkable little scene. I don't know. They played it straight, too. Like... It felt like, I don't know, one of many scenes in this movie that, like, I can't tell. I don't know if they're doing a bit, but it's it's really good. <laughs> there were some where I felt like they were for sure doing a bit, but, yeah, that one I wasn't sure. Um, I mean, it's called an action comedy, so I, okay. I feel like all of it's a bit, but... I think the director is generally self-aware of the ridiculousness of a lot of the stuff he makes. Uh, so I, I would think so. The the parts to me, like, obviously, the the part that was a too much a bit that it didn't work for me was the warden's kid. I really hated it. Well, one of the commentaries I watched pointed out that maybe the thing with the kid is that, and I kind of think this makes sense, um, 
is that kind of comedy was pretty popular in Hong Kong. Like, like their slapstick is pretty big in Hong Kong. They're, they have like lots of okay. like three, three Stooges types of things. And you'll be watching a movie like I, you watch the Untold Story. Like some of the most disgust, it'll go from one scene, some of the most disgusting, brutal stuff you've ever seen on screen, and like done seriously, not like this where it's a comic book. And then it'll cut to like the the police officers investigating, and it's just basically like the Three Stooges, just slapstick kind of thing. Like that's just <laughs> something that you'll find a lot in Hong Kong cinema. It's just this very slapsticky kind of humor and i think that uh that kid is meant to play to that sensibility that makes sense yeah because it was out of nowhere i do think my the biggest tone okay both the biggest tonal shift and the biggest laugh of the movie for me is the second flashback where it's showing the girlfriend and she's walking down the street and there's just like stereotypes of people doing drugs and drug dealers and it's like you're they're injecting and you're seeing it and they like kidnap her and you're like what are they gonna do to her and then she just screams and runs off a building and dies like that was by far that's where i was like okay that was on purpose that shit was so funny like but also so weird because the movie feels very anti-drug in like mm-hmm. almost a problematic way. Like I want to get into that, but like in a weird way. But then that was so the, the like was so stupid <laughs> that I couldn't I couldn't uh, I never knew where I was supposed to be. You know? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't want to like victim blame for her fall because they shouldn't. They shouldn't have kidnapped that lady just for like witnessing drugs. Totally. Now again, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Hong Kong. Here's Barta sure. standing up in the meeting of all the people. They shouldn't have kidnapped that girl. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have. But she should have ran off that roof. Like, <laughs> yeah. And true. And I get that. That you know the. Yeah opium existing created the conditions for her to fall off that roof (laughs) so i guess i get why he hates opium so much (laughs) Um, (laughs) but i don't know it felt a little extreme to me um this is one of the things i point out in one of the commentaries and i I was thinking the exact same thing is that a lot of old exploitation movies women get really disgustingly come to really really disgusting and horrible ends and mm. this is uh i'm glad they nice, spared us that yeah. nice reprieve from that um uh, so i definitely appreciate that part of it um because totally. you definitely see where it's going there it could have been a, a lot worse and the, the way that it just ends up kind of running up the buildings I, I... There's also a middle ground where, like, they pushed her off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True, true. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, turn it into a laughing moment. I, I, yeah. I like that. But, yeah. It, it was, was great. A very funny death. Um, I guess she could just be very discombobulated by in, by something they put inside, uh, put, put in her uh, drug-wise. I, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, very funny scene. In the OVA, it's that she is like hurt by the criminals and she's in the hospital and the painkillers they use on her uh end up killing her because they're just of fucked up quality and so that's why he's pissed off about the um opium being made 
because it's like such I don't know is low quality or like way or super high quality or what, but but basically, sure, it's because of the fucked up opium that they were dealing in the prisons. Like force, it, it's like the mob, and they force all the doctors to take their uh, opium. Mm, okay. That makes sense. If it was all connected like that, it would make sense because it was very weird that like this was the big mystery of the movie. Like, what did you? What were you doing for two years? Where were you? And then it's like we're finally getting it revealed, and it's like he's going on revenge to kill all the opium dealers because one drug dealer grabbed her and then she ran off her roof. Wait, <laughs> like, that, I'm sorry. Step back a second. We're gonna, we're gonna just rewind. Is that what was happening over the two years? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. That's like yeah, I I think is that what that was? There was some. I think maybe he was like gone training or something during that time, um, and turning himself into this. One of the commentaries suggests that he was training to be an assassin. Um, I don't know if that really fits, but I, I I think maybe he was just training in terms of his martial arts and his overall strength. What did you think it was, Rabbit? I thought. That either he was getting revenge on them the whole time, or, like, he was getting ready for the moment that we see where he confronts the guy and gets shot in the chest a bunch. Um, but basically, I just, I didn't think that deep about it. I just thought the the flashback is where he, because the mysteries are all tied together of why are the bullets in your chest, where were you for two years? So in my mind, the answers came at the same time. It's something to do with going after drug dealers. I thought he got shot in the chest... And then disappeared for two years. I thought that shot in the chest was part of the disappeared because the people wondering where he was also wondered why he was had bullets mm. in him. But I don't know. Mm. And we don't need to know. The movie yeah. doesn't need us to know. It's okay. <laughs> they, just, um, they just brought it up like six times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two Are you a secret agent? He was learning to do that shit with a leaf for two years. That's what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I also say that in the manga, um, I guess it's supposed to be the girl was not as big a part of his emotional arc. And um, uh, this whole story plot was based around a kid he was friends with uh, that got killed by by um, the Yakuza. Um, but also one of his reasons for being in prison is he questions the warden about his brother's whereabouts his nazi hmm. brother yes okay. um but even then because that that's not brought up at all in this movie obviously but uh even then i guess in that in the manga they don't even mention his brother by name and it's just kind of like very slightly touched on where like hmm. he just asks at like the very end and they're just like oh that one guy that used to be here um it's it's yeah Anyways. i like that they have so, this whole universe where they like <laughs> they don't answer a lot of sort of like fundamental questions not like <laughs> not like ooh we leave you wondering like no like they left me wondering uh, yeah for but, sure that's cool <laughs> i since we're talking about the girlfriend and there's not much of her i just got to bring up the remote control airplane scene yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I, that was one of the parts where I was like, okay, they have to be playing this for laughs. Like he's in this nice sweater and they're fighting over a controller and then 
I just, I don't know what y'all made of that scene. I don't really understand him bringing in a helicopter that says Ying is like a firefly lighting up the night and then her getting mad. Like, what? Oh, Charlie has some background info. Okay. So Ying, her name, is a Chinese character for firefly. So, Ying Ying is, is is like two fireflies combined. Um, uh, that explains everything. <laughs> I I think they they extrapolated on it some more. Um, it also might have to do with the translation because I know it's translated different in mine. But yeah, it has to do with her. I. I think your translation is doing something different than what the commentators were saying. Because it made sense when they were talking about it, and me reading that right now just doesn't really make sense. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought that scene was pretty cringe, but like on the edge between funny and cringe for sure. It made me laugh. Like this like extremely strong man in this like white sweater (laughs) playing with a like gently wrestling like play fighting with his uh girlfriend was very funny yeah over like a a remote control plane and then how he somehow already has a remote control helicopter secretly in the air the whole time so that when she steals the controller he can just fly it down it's so wild it's because he's a fucking great boyfriend that is that yeah. is really yeah, what true. they're trying to. You're right. He has like a great <laughs> emotional depth, and it's <laughs> it's weird. So, okay, this is strange, but I really thought of Ricky. He reminded me of Eminem in Eight Mile in a in a lot of ways. I've never seen. You've never seen Eight Mile. So no. the thing about Eight Mile is that Eminem gets like two ways about himself he like gets like or okay he gets like three ways about himself he gets um horny he gets sad and he gets angry but he deals with his sadness and anger all through anger there's like not too much like other emotions expressed sure. throughout the course of eight mile. Like Eminem is yelling a uh, rabbit rabbit, bunny rabbit is yelling at every single other character in the movie, like pretty much throughout it. And I sort of like felt that way watching Ricky, like when the, when the old man, you know, it's pouring rain and they have the old man on the stretcher walking away and Ricky goes and brings him a, a wood carving of a train and then like cries and then punches the air. Um, he punches the rain. He's like trying to kill the rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I just thought like, this is so much like if eight mile was a Kung Fu movie that would have happened in, in eight mile. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys haven't totally. watched eight mile. You're missing out. Oh, I've watched eight mile, okay, bro. Thanks brother. I mean, I'm, not since it came out, but yeah, no, it's been a while for me too. I mean, I've heard it said before, Ricky O is the Eminem of Hong Kong. I'm, you're confirming it. Yep. That guy's story that he was upset about was like definitely the saddest part to me in the movie. Of I mean, there was a lot, but like, 
you're like, why is this guy getting picked on so much by these guards? And then you realize, like, and by the by the other prisoners, that he had, like, he was, what was it? He was rushing his pregnant wife to the hospital and he accidentally hit a cop. And so they're just, mm-hmm. like, keeping him in there and torturing him forever. Um, yeah. That was gnarly. And it did make me really like Ricky that he was so mad about that, that he was just, like, like, that wasn't about the opium. That wasn't about his girlfriend. That was just injustice, bro. That was just like, no, 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 no. This is fucked up. I'm pissed. Definitely agree. Um, it definitely shows that he's just, uh, even though he's kind of a stoic loner, he, he definitely uh, has compassion for for everybody. And you see that come out throughout the movie where, like, he doesn't want to fight um, the, the, the North boss. Uh, he, he's kind of like we don't have to do this. And then with Tarzan, like he doesn't want to fight Tarzan. He tries to save Tarzan, even though Tarzan has been trying to kill him. And then he, yeah. he gets that picture of Tarzan and his mom. He's like, look, these are people with families. Like, yep. you can't just use them as, uh, treat them like this. And then both the wards. You can't like, use them and discard them like they're dirty rags. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I like that about him just consistently throughout. He just shows that he had, he, cares for all these other people and i like how the movie basically the average prisoner is not shown as any kind of a um as bad people basically they're just shown as people that have to be there and the ones we do learn about like except for the really bad ones that are part of the hierarchy yeah i mean it it doesn't show them as villains basically which a lot of prison movies generally do yeah so i want to dive into that because i think it's interesting that uh like, I, I do think there's definitely this, like, the main prisoners are the people you want to escape and you want them to stop having these people, like, torturing them and being so cruel to them and stuff. But I didn't know what to make of, like, when you first see the first inmates, it lists, like, their charges. And we only get three inmates, including Ricky. We get one, seven years for robbery and assault. Another, five years for stealing from his company. And then ten years for manslaughter and assault. And I, I like for such an over the top movie that's punching you in the face with their, with like what their meaning. I was like, I kind of wish they'd gone one way or the other. Like all the prisoners are in there for fucking murder, or they're all in here because the government sucks and work sucks, and they're just like innocent. And I wasn't sure what to. I don't know. Maybe it's trying to be nuanced, but I was curious what y'all thought about that. I also don't know because that. That seems also very weird because it's introducing those three people. It's the only three people it introduces like that, and we don't see those other two guys ever again. Yeah. Um, so it just it seems to be in some way kind of like comical and that, and just introducing them like that, and then just being like, "That's not at all." Like this, I don't know. It's just it a very kind of inter- absurd introduction. I had this like, um, "Oh, so- we're doing like." A Wes Anderson thing. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) But then it stopped doing it. Yeah, I don't know. Because it had just talked about capitalism and because both the people before Ricky got less time and both of them were first theft, Mm. I was like, okay, is this trying to talk about capitalism? Is this like, oh, when capitalism is this bad, people have to steal and then they get in prison for it? But it didn't really pick it up again. So I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think so. Totally. I do want to ask y'all about the capitalism stuff because it is really fucking confusing. Um, like, 
So we have this intro by 2001 AD. I love that. Capitalistic countries have privatized all government organizations. Prisons, like car parks, have become franchise businesses. I love that it's just like a parking lot, you know. Uh, but I don't feel... Maybe there's something in the way the hierarchies work that we can talk about. But in general, I almost feel like that cheapened the strengths of the movie. I feel like this movie would have been anti-prison, but because of this, it was just anti-privatizing prison. And it, it just felt weird That's to me. True. It felt like a little, like, see what happens when capitalism comes in? We just need our regular good prisons back. I don't know. What did y'all think? Well, they they even did um, uh, in that bit where the warden is was like the ex- explaining that wardens usually are best at kung fu in the prison he specifically points out in (laughs) private prisons like like this is not a problem in state-run prisons it's all good wardens don't know kung fu and if they do know kung fu they're probably not the best you know like maybe our view of this is so tainted because we live in america where this is more like what the prisons are like than maybe the prisons people were dealing with that because like you do do hard labor in our prisons we are using prisoners as a labor as a cheap labor source um the wardens do know kung fu i'm just kidding but like <laughs> the, oh, maybe i it felt like they were trying to say this is what will happen and we're like yeah this it's this is what's happening in prisons except not as cartoonish. i don't know it was weird to me there's a funny part in one of the commentaries where i'm pretty sure like guy's british uh frank jen and uh the way that the prisoners just seem to kind of be able free to roam around the prison wherever they are the the commentator is commentating on that he's like maybe that's one of the benefits of uh of privatized prisons that they can just walk around like like that walk walk around like this i'm like i I guess they don't have privatized prisons in, in England because uh, yeah, no. I know I'm pretty sure I'm not an expert on prisons, but I'm pretty sure it's not like that. And, but that's an ironic thing about the movie, right? Is like in some ways these prisoners have it better than our literal prisoners yeah. right now, and that they can at least walk around. Like that's trippy. Yeah, it, that's a very weird part of it. That the way that just like at one part they even like open up their doors that I think you can see the locks on them. Like their, uh, their barred doors uh, towards the end. There's a bunch of them that just kind of open up the doors and look out. I mean, totally. It like, seems pretty bad. Most things about, Oh no, no, I'm not saying it's oh, not. No. <laughs> Take me literally. These prisons are horrible. And I don't think that it'd be better if people were getting shoved in meat grinders or there were like gangs that were endorsed by the prisons as overtly or, all the horrible i mean there's people are just getting tortured in like the most grotesque ways ever but it's interesting that when trying to make the prisons look as bad as possible there's still things that slip through the crack that like oh they get to walk around like yeah it's a trip what did y'all think because this the capitalism thing made me wonder and i was thinking about like the is this a statement about prisons is this a statement about capitalism is it both the only the thing i was wondering about is like were they trying to show that the capitalism was behind the hierarchies in the prison? There's this gang of four. Well, why? Why do those guys get powers? They mentioned things like allowances and things like that. 
who's getting allowance. Do all the prisoners get allowances, or does just the top guys or the do the guards get allowances? They're giving it to them. Did y'all? I don't know. Did y'all have any thoughts on those things? I sort of like work under the assumption in my head canon of how this prison operates. You know, is that everyone's doing work. They refer to it as cheap labor. So I assume that some people get some money. But like but cheap in, labor could also mean it costs us how much it does to feed you or whatever. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, it could just be like um, almost almost like a feudal system in there. They have like in, enforcers, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in a similar sort of way. Yeah, I really like looked at the gang of four and I'm like, who could each of these guys be a metaphor for? Like, what are they trying to say <laughs> with these guys? And and um, I'm not sure at anything. I'm not sure it was they're really yeah. trying to say Same. anything in particular. Like, I, I really gave it yeah. a good once over. And I, you know what they really made me think of is um, the Ginyu Force and Dragon Ball Z. That was like the the closest thing you ever no nothing no oh, never God watched Dragon Ball Z just really flamboyant Sorry. bad guys um, but yeah I couldn't I thought there was like again I think there are there are some there's like little metaphors in here that are like really fun but like structurally how this all worked except that there are like I mean it it was a it was like an us versus them thing like that was going on obviously like yeah. there is like and we are being forced to do things collectively like against our best interests like we are they're burying ricky alive and in the same respect yeah we can come together collectively to do things in in our best interests like when the when cyclops the assistant um warden is uh attempt murdered by by a crowd of people um you know it goes the other way yeah you know there are like definitely things like that going on that i think are really cool but and and this idea that like there are more of us than there are of them and you know there are totally there are like powerful interests who are working together to like keep you oppressed but but it felt very not so, specific. Yeah. There there were two things that really stuck out to me that I really liked about the Gang of Four and the Hierarchy. One of them is the notion that you realize through Tarzan at the end that like these people are doing this to be on the to have the power and the protection of the warden and the hierarchy but they don't actually have that as soon as they're not useful anymore they get thrown under the bus too just like tarzan um i really liked that showing that like these people are being tricked they're doing this maybe to protect themselves in this horrible prison situation but as soon as like they can be tortured just like all the other prisoners very quick that was awesome the other yeah. thing I really liked was the obsession over rules and, and like, reinforcing rules in the hierarchy. Like, uh, the assistant warden's like, I'm warning you, the warden isn't here, so I'm number one. Like, I'm warning you theoretical concepts, not like, I'll kill you or I'll hurt you or this thing can happen, just mm-hmm. I'm number one right now. Um, 
like this person says the rules of the north cell only i have the power to punish or uh i'm letting you use the knife to enforce the rules or you're pretty good it's too bad you don't follow the rules like everything is about these rules but the rules are horrible and bullshit <laughs> and like dog eat dog and it was kind of awesome to be like hey we're showing you we're beating you over the head with uh, images of authority figures using rules as an excuse to do the worst things you've ever seen. Um, yeah. And they're going to be stabbed in the back against the rules by the people above them very quickly. That was all very awesome to me. Right. What confused me was just like, why'd y'all even bring up capitalism? That all works really well, but when you're like, because it's a private prison, I'm just like, that. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if that privatized prison thing is if that was also uh, present in the original Japanese manga and took it from that, but true. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's also another thing with all that. It's, it's weird. So in the original Japanese manga, they're called like the four emperors or something like that. And then huh. they changed to the gang of four in Hong Kong, which, um, Ooh. uh, didn't want to be anti emperor. <laughs> well, do you know the Gang of Four, or uh, I don't. That sounds familiar. What? What's? They're like a good British post-punk band. Oh, yeah. that's right. Um, I don't that's know. So far from them. this context, I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know a lot about them, but uh, the Gang of Four were like after Mao's death. I think they like took over power in China. One of them, I think, was Mao's wife. Um. And then they okay. were eventually executed, I believe. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it seems like there would be weight to name it in the Gang of Four, but I can't, I don't really, right? and maybe it's because I don't know a lot about Chinese history, um, but I, I can't really see anything that's actually in there. <laughs> Yeah, I, it is just interesting living in a like 2023 where there's hella private prisons with Geo Group and a bunch of other groups buying prisons. And when someone goes to prison, it's not my experience that they're like, oh boy, I really hope I don't go one of the, to one of the private ones. Like they're all mm. horrible. I'm yeah. not saying private prisons aren't worse. I bet some are a lot worse, but it's not this huge distinction where those are terrible and the other ones are way better. Yeah. And you really hope. Um, yeah. So it's just a weird, it seems so political at first, and then it's just like the normal, terrible human beings in these situations are terrible to each other, and power is bad, that makes sense to me outside of the con. Yeah, I don't know. It's just confusing. I, I don't know. It's all really had a lot of thought put into it. I totally. Like it the politics, to me, are fully centered around like the capacity of... like human beings to like love and care about each other and like fight totally. together and things like that. And I think that's awesome. You know, like they kept saying when, when Ricky was, um, and I don't know if I agree with this necessarily, but like when Ricky was, um, buried underground breathing out of the pipe or whatever, yeah. you know, everyone was, there was all like several people, we're being like, oh, he's going to die and it's going to be because of us. Yeah. And, you know, again, like, <clears throat> I don't know if I like necessarily like think that is the, the correct way to like move about the world. Be like, 
bad thing happened, like I or we are failures because there are so many things working against us, you know, that yeah. doesn't make us failures if we mm-hmm. don't do it every time. But whatever the case. I mean, I think it's good to be nuanced, right? To like, it is good that they're recognizing that they can have an effect in this situation. It's just maybe not right. good if they internalize all the guilt of it because they are part of this fucked up. They're oppressed in this structure. I 1000% agree. Like I, I think their, their hearts are in the right place. Like the film's heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's like making that point, I just, uh, totally don't necessarily agree with it, but then it does, it does still do the weird thing where it does, it like has kind of a lot of buildup. It felt to me about like the ability of like people about people coming together and things, things of that nature. And then Ricky being like, no, get out of here. I got this by myself was kind of like a weird, uh, I mean, I liked that before that, I wish there was a little more, like I wish the prisoners did the last part by themselves. That would have been my ideal ending. But I do think it's great that like at a certain point, once he's done a certain amount, they, like you mentioned, are dismembering Cyclops. And then the prison guards are attacking, saying, get back to your cells. And that without Ricky saying anything, they attack the cops. Right. Um, Right. That was awesome. And I do think the movie was trying to tell us that that was great, that people should stand up for themselves. But yeah, it was a little muddied with trying to also make Ricky the hero and like wanting nobody to be violent and stuff. Oh, I was just going to say, it's it's hard to make a film where a crowd is the hero. I, I don't think it was necessarily as much as uh, him needing to be the hero in some instances. Like early on, I, th- I think it's also because it's... Uh, these people are superhumans and they just exploded one of your guys' heads and um true and they're just like they have the power to to, to kill you and i guess that kind of undervalues the concept of you know we got the numbers so we're more powerful but i i, I do think it's also acknowledging that these people have superhuman strength and abilities and you're normal people um so just hold up and let me to try let me try to do my thing because i'm yeah. superhuman like them yeah i mean again he's a compassionate guy mm-hmm. and it's it's i'm glad he didn't just let them all die from bullets that make your face big but <laughs> well, uh... let's let's discuss that ending though because it is a little i agree with you charlie but there's also another layer where like once the superhumans are gone the prisoners are just attacking the police slash guards and Ricky tells them all to stop, and he busts down the wall, which is so cool, and he says, you are all free now. And are they all free now? Is that how private prisons work? <laughs> you, you, you leave and you're free? Like, uh, I don't know. It was a little, like, it was beautiful, and it was awesome, but, like, also, why are you stopping them from killing the guards? Maybe you don't want them to get killed, I get it, but maybe they really want to kill those guards. Well, I mean, maybe... Uh... The guards didn't know the fucking warden was killed. Now all of a sudden he's throwing their head around, throwing the warden's head around. There, they'll get some sense of them. Um, How would also, they know that's the warden's head? By the way, it looks nothing yeah, like good, his good head question. they've ever seen. <laughs> same you know, you know your warden's a fucking monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but also though, because you mentioned how, like, you know, even even if they do leave, are they really free? is a, supposed to be a post-apocalyptic society, so maybe mm. 
freedom would be more accessible than, like, say, in uh, this non-post-apocalyptic society of a bunch of people who escaped from prison. It'd probably be uh, sure. a lot easier tracking down. And that fits with the prisoner earlier saying, let's burn down the prison, then we can escape, which yeah. was great. Uh, so there's a through line. Yeah, and uh, he should have said, stop fighting the guards, and then he should have killed all the guards. And so Hell yeah. That's why you should stop fighting the guards. But totally, he had to go find his twin brother with a swastika on his hand. He had to learn in the next fifty chapters that you should yeah. kill guards. So that was his arc that we missed because yes. they didn't keep making movies. Uh, Barto, what were you gonna say? So I sort of, I sort of have a, a different. I thought the ending. I didn't think they needed to kill all the guards. The ending to me sort of like misunderstood was felt like a misunderstanding of the problems the film is kind of like describing like yes we have to smash the walls of oppression and free everyone which will ultimately lead to probably a less violent world like stop fighting you're all free now like i actually thought that was like kind of beautiful um uh though uh i do disagree with the idea that there is going to be a historical moment where we all have to stop fighting but regardless but i think chopping off literally you know we're doing it literally here but like chopping off the head of the capitalist enterprise is like a fool's errand you know investors will find new managers Mm -hmm. new managers will fix the wall the wall will hold new prisoners just smash the wall you know like ricky could have done that on day one it just got everyone out of there you know like i i don't really like it was very cool to watch him uh kung fu his way through the the prison hierarchy and 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 punch holes in everything but like and everyone but he wasn't he wasn't there for that he wasn't there for what to to break down the wall of the prison that was just a, a end result him of him leaving the prison. Okay, so that's the other thing is I like fundamentally I'm still kind of piecing this together that he went to prison on purpose to destroy the opium stash. Is that what you're telling me? No, because he didn't know it was there till he I handed so the either. leaf. I I think maybe I think within the the two years he was missing, he found where the opium, he discovered that the opium was possible. But then why was he um, surprised? He was so surprised to see the opium leaf. He's like, oh my god, they have opium here? Which yeah, I was sure. also like, oh my god, they're growing opium here? <laughs> but that's that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I didn't I mean, like, get the impression that he the, was there on purpose. The movie does it, not give us any indication that the even if the manga does, the movie doesn't give us any indication that I saw that the prison is connected to the other to the flashbacks. But maybe it's supposed to be. It's definitely possible he uh, he makes a connection between the flashbacks and the prison. Sure, it's like this is all part of the same. Then it's it's okay for the hero to realize, oh, I should just break the wall later and not know what he should do the whole time, right? Like that's, that's true. how movies work. Yeah. Um, my main issue with the end wasn't the decision. It was that he was still trying to make decisions for them. Just a hero complex thing. Like I just kind of mm. wished 
that it was like like why are you telling them to stop fighting you can give them options but like they know just as well as you do what they should do but you're the only one who can break down the wall which is sick yeah. and was so yeah. sick and that effect was, was so, cool. so sick like that was the best wall breaking prison effect i've ever seen yeah you're right it is weird how he seems surprised about the opium but i feel like there has to be a reason for him being in there otherwise he wouldn't have let himself get caught and feel like he knew he'd be able to break out i maybe it's that he just knew that there was some kind of connection between the prison and the opium and not necessarily that the opium was being grown on the premises itself he knew that the uh warden had connections to the drug trade and the the triads i guess would be i feel like you're just reading into like the film doesn't indicate at any place that he has this knowledge except that he's very cool and wouldn't fuck up and just like go to prison like that's the like but it doesn't say that it like i understand how you, that could be implied by just how cool he is and how tough he is <laughs> and how unlikely it is that my man would would <laughs> end up in jail but i know I know the, the the film doesn't spell it out like that, but because uh... there's a lot of things. If he's that powerful, he could have knocked all those heads out right away. But there's a ton of times where he's just being a prisoner, you know, sitting playing his flute. Yeah, being he, a prisoner. So those guards take him into uh, isolation after he kills uh, Mad Dragon and the other guy. Um... I, I I don't know. Uh, we read things in the movies all the time. Um, so. Us? No. Never. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, I think I just um, think there's a difference between. Uh, I think he's in there for this reason, and I don't think it's possible for him to be in this for any other reason. I think it's possible he went there because he wanted to go there, and I think it's possible he just got arrested because he's an 18 year old kid who doesn't know what he's doing yet. Yeah, and all he has is an uncle ghost to show him the way. And, <laughs> and he's like, are you side... my uncle or is that your name? Are you my uncle or is that your name? Uncle Ghost is such a fucking dope name. Like, it's one of those, it's been floating in my head all day. Just like Uncle Ghost. The the ghost of Uncle Past. I mean, you're right, but I'm also using um my knowledge of the OVA and the manga to also sure. uh, read into it. Is that what he uh is that what he goes there for is because it's connected to the opiate stuff? I'm pretty sure in the OVA it's like a big thing where he's yeah, where it's uh connected to he knows that the warden is, is selling this this opium to the doctors and force strong arming them into it. And then I'm not as sure about the manga itself. But I know he also like questions about his his brother, so that was another okay. reason. Because one of the one of the things I really liked in the movie, and if this is true, it totally wipes it out. But I liked that one of the tactics the prison used is they tried to offer Ricky the spot, the mm. north spot in the Gang of Four, and he wasn't interested at all. And when I was watching that, he was just a prisoner there, and it was cool that he wasn't like seduced by this power. You know what I mean? Agreed. Um, I also liked that the gang of four, like, even when they have power, even before they've been, like, 
you know, like Tarzan gets betrayed by them. They're like, we don't care. Fuck you now that you're broken. I like that even before that, the prison shows that they don't give a shit about them. Like the zero alarm goes off and the gang of four is like terrified and there's machine guns shooting at them too. And I was just like, it's showing how stupid these fucking people are. And like, it's not, it's obviously a, a huge exaggeration, but like, you know, there's people in prison who like are snitches or like do all this stuff for like rewards they're not going to get, you know? And so that was great. I mean, we, we saw that, uh, that one snitch, the, the bald guy that, that we introduced yep. in one of the first scenes, he's a snitch all throughout, but you never really see him get much besides like the people in power are like kind of nice to him and let him be a lackey, but he, but then uh, everyone around him fucking hates him. <laughs> Totally. I thought about uh when the what they call it the zero alarm, right? Is that yeah. yeah. I thought about kind of how like owners are like of businesses and things like that are still like beholden to uh investors or whatever and like they could just like pull the plug at any moment and yeah everything the owner has is gone. Like there's just mm-hmm. like chains of dependency and like power up and down and there's no well and they specifically call this in that opening text by 2001 ad they say it's a franchise business so this is like a microcosm of this you know like if you have a fucking kfc franchise it's yours but kfc can take it away anytime they want they have control over your life each of the gang of four owns a franchise that's a quarter of the prison but they don't own shit you know yeah yeah, I mean, the assistant warden's, like, cheering the battle on. He's like, oh, shit, look at that. Oh, wow. And then as soon as the guys die, he's like, do you want to be the next Game of Four member? Do you want to be the next Game of yeah, Four member? totally. <laughs> it's very comical how much they're upfront about how they do not give a shit. Um, but these people are just willing for that little bit of that, that power that they can have for however long they'll do totally. anything and bow down to them. Also, since we were talking about the snitch, I just got to say it's super sick that uh, Ricky punched his head in half and you saw his brain slosh around. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Um, <laughs> Did they call snitching grassing? Yeah, grassing so. and finching. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that sounds like a word for snitching, but I, I don't know. But I'm so, what a cool term. I had written down like grassing and I was writing every line to try to figure out what it meant for the first half of the movie. <laughs> it was very confusing at first. Apparently that, that shot of uh, him getting his head punched and then you see his brain. Apparently that and the dog getting kicked in half got this film banned in lots of Scandinavian countries. The brain, because it was pig brain, but I guess they had rules in, in in a lot of those countries where if you can't specifically like show exactly where um, animal parts are from, that they won't play your movie or something like that. Just Whoa, because they have like such strict laws about like animal deaths in movies. I guess um, interesting. That just has to be very, very transparent and clear of if there's any animal parts, like exactly where those animal parts are from. Something like Wild. that. Something like that. Uh, so it was banned in a lot of Scandinavian countries because of that shot. So, and I think the dog getting kicked in half just because uh, 
yeah, they're just very serious about uh, harm to animals, even if it's obviously fake. That shot was totally. It was fucked up that they like introduced that dog in (laughs) one shot, and then the next (laughs) shot it died. Like that was. I was like, oh, cool dog. And then, like, immediately my my heart just, like, dropped into my, my stomach because uh, I knew what was going to happen to that, that little dog. Well, yeah, nothing cute survives. No. In lots of Hong Kong cinema, you have, like, real animal deaths, um, usually chickens. Um, but, yeah, uh, the steaks sometimes. But real animal deaths is not uncommon in Hong Kong cinema, so... I at least appreciate that that dog was obviously fake. Yes. Yeah. That was definitely not a real dog. And that makes more sense why they have laws about like where the animal parts are from in some places if that was yeah. like a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that any countries had laws about knowing where all of those VHS porn videos were from? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I think, um, yeah, I think it's also supposed to be Japanese porn because uh, I guess shooting <laughs> porn in Hong Kong was illegal, which is okay. like why category three which i mentioned earlier was usually designated towards sex stuff that that is like really kind of soft core um and no actual uh penetration they just they it was interesting that they made like there were so many bad guys in this movie but they went so much farther with the assistant warden than anyone else Mm -hmm. like he's disfigured He's eating a bloody steak in this giant fancy feast. He has mm-hmm. like an actually bloody steak. He has like a huge porn collection. Like it was like they spent half the budget making you hate this guy before he even talked. It was a he trip. Is, he has a fake eye that has mints inside of it. <laughs> yeah, that was but it's actually glass shards, right? Or was that separate? No, the glass shards were in the knife holster. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and and I, I love just how that was the main actor's dad so it kind of adds like a funny context of them punching themselves ricky hitting his other eye out uh him throwing the shoveling the dirt on ricky <laughs> totally also who whose other eye do you knock out highs right uh yeah and then the opposite the... one he, he knocked out the opposite one of the warden's eye and i yeah. thought interesting that seems symbolic in some way, but again, found no symbolism. But it, yeah, and then but I did check some other symbolism, like him getting the nail through his hand, and then the guy being crucified on the cross, and him putting the cross down, or him uh, surviving being buried for like I don't know seven yeah. days or whatever. All three in a um, row, I don't know very what clearly on some means, but yeah. I have a whole section to ask y'all here, but I, <laughs> I I even wrote down, I was like, oh, he's getting covered in cement. That's kind of like the cave. And then they were like, we're burying you underground and seeing if you could survive. And I was like, oh, wait, okay. There. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, especially because he wasn't the crucified one. No. Yeah, he seemed ripe for crucifixion. Like, oh, yeah. As soon as this guy got going, I'm like, they're going to Christ this guy. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah. so sure of it. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> not really though speaking of high okay the fight with high first of all when he ties his arm tendons back together i hated that so much <laughs> but, that was cinema to me that was so good oh man so cool so fake but still i couldn't watch it like uh. um why 
other than Cyclops being able to say, you got a lot of guts, Oscar, why did Hyde destroy his own stomach in that fight? <laughs> I think to trick Ricky, because he knew just, uh, at that point, he knew head on head that he didn't have a chance. Because he even says when he's doing, like, you're incredible or something. And then he does that. And then Ricky runs up to him, and then he tries to strangle him with intestines. So I think it's just a okay. kamikaze uh, type of, yeah, I'm going to kill myself. Damn, and I'm going to trick him and take him with me. That's dedication. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and j- why is he doing it? Just for the fucking the assistant warden asked him to. To, to, <laughs> to retain his honor of being in charge of the North Wing in the prison. <laughs> Do you all want to mention any other uh, gore or fighting parts that stood out to you? I just feel like that's so much of this movie. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, the meat grinder is pretty infamous. Uh, the lead actor claimed he couldn't get all the red scrubbed off him for like a week. Because uh, <laughs> he was just covering so much red after that scene. Totally. That scene where Tarzan smashes the guy's head with his hands? Yeah. So I guess... Greg Kinnear, that's that comedian's name, right? That is a comedian's name, yeah. I don't know if it was Greg Kinnear or somebody else, but someone, according to one of the commentaries, someone on The Daily Show had a segment where they would often play that clip of the uh, head being exploded by Tarzan. And then he left The Daily Show and got a show on CBS or something, and... That clip was too violent for him to play, so instead he played the clip of the assistant warden getting shot with the gun and blowing up, which I guess was considered less violent than the head exploding. That felt so much but... more violent, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> that was, like, that was a great effect, first of all. Yeah. That was, like, one of my favorite effects in this movie. It was so it, good. It had, like, a... How did they do this quality? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the effects in general, just some of them are kind of lower quality. You could tell that they were that they were very fake. You could tell it was like a dummy or something. Um, but I kind of feel like that helps contribute to the overall over-the-top comic book feel to, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although one of the commentators also pointed out, like, imagine seeing this on a VHS on a horrible TV like the effects look a lot more real back when people used to watch sure. this in the 80s and 90s because this was like insanely huge in the US for as a rental film. Gotcha. Um, this is like one of the biggest Hong Kong films uh, in terms of people renting it. Hell yeah. Also Tarzan, but I really liked when uh, they're punching at the same time and Ricky's hand hits his and it, his hand just turns to meat. Like Tarzan's hand just just disintegrates into fucking meat. It's so good. Yeah, that rules. That was one of my favorite just scenes of gore in general. Was, yeah, was those guys fighting and him punching several holes in Tarzan is just like, and it was it was it was funny to like watch this guy uh, punch holes through someone covered in blood going up to the bars of the cell he's in and screaming we're human beings yeah. and like he just like seems so far from a human being in that yeah, totally. I, I also love that funny. 
I also love that scene how Tarzan, you think he's dead, and then all of a sudden he's like <laughs> holding the ceiling up, like like his neck is just completely like broken in half. Yes. He's that's how he's holding the ceiling up, it's just like that point between his neck and his shoulder and his blood pouring from him. That's the that angle I sleep every night with I have like a ton of pillows and that's how I sleep every oh night. Oh my god. <laughs> that Sorry. scene was so great because it was all the things y'all said but also like there was an emotional like resonance it was like one of the only scenes where like the bad guy changed mm-hmm. and like was like realizing what was happening and then ricky was trying to help him and there was like then all of a sudden you wanted him to save tarzan like that was just a, that was an awesome scene yeah i guess in the manga they play up uh their friendship a lot more um which they didn't have as much room to do in a 90-minute movie. But I still think sure. they kind of effectively, effectively conveyed that kind of emotional thing of them kind of, you know, finding common ground with each other. Yes. Totally. Just, like, felt the compassion that... Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, um, Tarzan just felt the compassion that that Ricky has for the world and that just rubbed off on him. And Totally. I think that's beautiful. And so did I. To be totally frank, hell yeah, I really like the X-ray head punch kill. Yes, that was that, That's um a reference to the Street Fighter, which is a Sonny oh. Chiba uh, movie from the seventies, um, Japanese exploitation movie. Yeah, there's a famous shot where he punches somebody and it cuts an X-ray shot and punching them. Hell yeah! Well, I'm ready to get to awards when y'all are, but I'm also here for if y'all have other things first uh i think we got to like most of my most of my notes what else do i have oh i just thought um you know my one other well i have a couple other notes but the the one that really matters is after ricky was buried for a week and then he's still alive and then they put him in a prison cell and a guy comes up and brings him a plate of rice and tells him that he's their only hope. Yeah. I thought that was what an incredible amount of pressure to put on someone who's just (laughs) come out of a hole. Here's some rice. Is this enough to save us with enough energy? And a plate plate under the rice that says, don't give up was like so cute and funny. And I like, I loved that scene. It was, it was great, but it, I just like, you know, there are like weeks at, at work where I'm like more stressed than others. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, someone like needs my help for something. Yeah. And just, it's just one more thing. And I felt, you know, like, again, I'm a lot like Ricky in a lot of ways. And this oh, is yeah. one of those ways that he reminded I'm, me of both of you actually. Yeah. I'm like Ricky and Eminem. And <laughs> we're all like each other. <laughs> you do spit some mad rhymes. Thank you. I don't know. I have a few kind of trivia things. Should I let them out now? Now or never. Well, first of all, I love it how the warden's son does the Ultraman pose. Uh, mm. I didn't notice and, that. Yeah, at the time when they're like digging up Ricky um, to see if he's still alive, like the warden or someone says, like, he'd have to be a Superman, although I assume. Maybe it's more close to Ultraman, but and then the the Warden Son does the kind of I don't remember how it goes, but the it's the exact Ultraman pose. 
Really? Oh man, yep. that, I did not pick up on that. I'm surprised. Wild. Uh, the illustrator of the original manga was repulsed by the gore and violence in this movie, and he felt nauseated when he watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's a that's a that's a plus for sure. If you can repulse yes. the guy who inspired you. According to uh, uh, Louis Fawn, the played the lead actor who played Ricky. His contract stated that blood must be splattered every 10 minutes. His muscles need to be shown every five minutes. He needs to be <laughs> half naked every 30 minutes. Oh my God. He needs to penetrate three bad guys' bodies in, within the first hour. And he must get hurt every 10 minutes. What? Um, <laughs> he also said that when he signed the contract to do the movie, he had no idea what it was. And then he went and read the, the manga. And he was like, oh, this is violent as shit. This is insanely yeah. violent. <laughs> um, so he signed up for this without realizing how violent it was going to be. But in uh, his contract, he said, I have to punch through three people yeah, in an hour. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Maybe he just signed the contract without reading it. So when I, I always thought, after the first time I saw it, that this would be like the greatest video game. Um, it just seems like perfectly made to be a video game. And uh, according to the commentaries, I am correct. Uh, Mortal Kombat was hugely influenced by this, both in the fatalities and Liu Kang is based on Rikio. Uh, nice. And the main villain in Street Fighter, uh, M. Bison, is uh, he's influenced by one of the main villains in the manga. Um, but not okay, hmm. but one of the commentators also said he reached out to four video game designers of beat 'em up uh, video games, and he asked them if they they had seen this movie, and two of them said yes, that uh, they were fans of the movie. Oh, the actor who played the uncle was in uh, "You Only Live Twice." Is that the name of the James Bond movie? Yes. Yeah, he was in yeah, that. I've never seen it though. I've never seen it either, but I guess that's what most English audiences would know him from. Mm. Mm. I haven't seen that one. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen a James Bond movie except for one of the 90s ones. We'll cover all the Pierce Brosnan ones on here eventually. Don't worry. Yeah, we're going to okay. go through every James Bond movie. <laughs> all right, I think that's it. There's a lot of James Bond movies. Uh, and Godzilla movie fan crossover. I think just because they're both so long. There's so many entries. <laughs> Sweet. All right, let's do some awards. Uh, yeah. Favorite shots? Yeah, I'm just going to go with that ending sequence of him throwing the head and running up to the wall and punching it a few times. Oh, yeah. um, and then breaking down. That's just such a cool little sequence right there. Hell yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna jump in just because punching the prison wall was my top one. That was so great too, but I also gotta say the energy coming off his body in the cemetery, sick. Yeah, I I like that too. A couple of the commentaries remarked how like that's like oh look at these low quality special effects. Like I don't know, no. maybe they are, but I think it looks awesome. It slapped. So, it didn't stand out to me. It just looked fucking sick and it worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't it stand cool. out as like a lower quality. I don't know. It was great. Yeah, um, I agree. It may be not visually the best, but I just have to give it to punching through the cop's riot shield and into and through the cop's stomach. 
Oh, Great yeah. move. <laughs> Such a good move. Uh, and then when he was lying against the wall and the fucking greenhouse was on fire uh, and one of the gang of four standing next to him, that was sick. I had two. And it was him spitting a bunch of razor blades at the warden <laughs> yeah. oh, in yeah. his mouth. That whole, like, his face looked so crazy with a bunch of uh, <laughs> razor blades sticking out of it. And then the yeah. other one was just, like, I think, like, a visual gag. I, it really made me laugh when the guy without a tongue is trying to learn how to play the flute leaf. <laughs> and when he gets up in frustration and like 20 leaves come flying off of his lap. It really <laughs> made me laugh. Like he just had like a huge pile of leaves on his lap yeah. that maybe this one will work. Maybe this one will yeah, work. Maybe, maybe yeah, this one. It's just, um, it was, awesome. it was just a funny that. gag yeah. to me. Uh, one other shot, um, to fight with hell. Is that what her name was for you? Ronda Rogan. Um, okay. I, I I like the visual effects they did to make it show that she oh, had yeah. a different, a, a weird esoteric version of kung fu. That yeah, for kind of like the camera effects that blurred her motion and yes, that was that super was cool. cool. That was one of the more interesting like powers for sure. Mm-hmm. And also cool. shout out to her because she was actually um, a really great martial artist too. Should have gotten more famous than this is like her most known movie, but she was really good martial artist. But there are lots of great female martial artists at the time, and I guess she couldn't just break through. I gotta give it to the prison. Um, she was treated just like the men. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's people often debate like, is she supposed to be a man or a woman? I thought so. I thought she was supposed to be a man too. I didn't even know it was a woman actress though. I always assumed it was a man, just with more feminine traits, and it was just an interesting casting choice to cast a woman. Apparently, and I'm pretty sure in the OVA and the manga it's supposed to be a man, but in one of the commentaries it said that the actress always claimed it's supposed to be a woman. Huh. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Who knows? That's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, no, she and she was like awesome. I had no idea that it was a a woman acting the role. Um, it's a trip. Okay, who? Oh, dumb cop of the week. Who's up? That that little boy. I hated him. I just hated oh, him yeah. so much. <laughs> the warden's son. Yeah. <laughs> evil little That's shit. Great answer. Yeah, that was really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Hate, hate, hateful little thing. Um, okay. I'm going to give it to Mad Dragon. They said Mad Dragon was locked up for eating a whole horse. But then oh, yeah. they, they get him to do their bidding with some rice. Like, <laughs> fuck off, dude. Like, that's not. A, a horse is better than rice. Keep eating horses, dude. Stop giving it to the man. <laughs> he only ate the horse because he couldn't find any more rice. <laughs> we don't know that. I'm going to go with the... Uh bald snitch for yeah snitching on ricky and the guy feeding him rice and then walking into ricky's cell um, <laughs> just really dumb moves <laughs> i guess at that point he had seen ricky do quite a lot of damage he's very <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you could just say, I'm just going to sit this one out. I'm not going to get involved in any, any of this, but nope. Right. <laughs> Added snitch. I think it's interesting that none of us picked the actual cops, and there's so many, but and <laughs> all the... If, if you're a prisoner and you're working with the cops, you're a fucking cop. Like, yeah. cop behavior. Um, okay, last but not least, Praxis Award. Um, the man who brought Ricky the the plate with the nice message on it. That's mine, and too. His name's Freddy. In which Freddy? one? In the American the guy, The guy who brought... The, oh, I don't remember. Mm. I just Freddy? wrote down that he was Freddy. And you're out there, Friday. This episode's for you. Ah, my choice is old Ma for um, running over and killing a cop when, uh, even when he had something as pressing to do as get his wife to a hospital, <laughs> his pregnant wife to a hospital. He still has his priorities straight. Wait, that's the guy who was driving his pregnant wife to the hospital. Yeah, and that's oh, dude, good award, good award. I'm glad we ended with that one. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's rate this, this fucker. Who wants to go first? Five out of five fist holes through through my my <laughs> soft, fleshy body by Ricky's magnificent hands. <laughs> yeah, I um, I absolutely love this movie. I I love this director. Um, this to me is a perfect movie. Like, if I really want to criticize it, I guess in some aspects it could be more visually interesting, go for more... I don't know, that's just me trying to nitpick. <laughs> it's a perfect movie. Uh, I give it the um, uh, the best picture Oscar of 2023. Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but, uh, the... the that one movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm taking that was from you. Twenty twenty two movie. You're fine. Oh shit! Well, I give it the twenty twenty two Oscar and the twenty twenty three Oscar. Not <laughs> had the Oscars yet this year. No. When did the Oscars happen? Is that like not Christmas? six months into the year? <laughs> I'm not stupid. You're stupid. Okay. Well, it gets two best picture Oscars, I guess. Um. Yeah, I really appreciate this movie. I'm really glad it exists. I think it's awesome. It's not super my thing, but that doesn't mean it's not a super great movie. I'm going to give it three and a half musical leafs out of five musical leafs, but they're all three and a half are making a beautiful, beautiful song. And are they um, opium leaves? No, no, oh, no, Charlie. Oh. No, they're not. Um, man, he we didn't even get into like what that means, but he fucking hates opium so much. He hates opium so much. <laughs> he almost he I think he hates opium more than I love it. Yeah, as I uh, say, that's the that's the only way me and him are uh, unlike each other. And if I had seen opium do to my community what it has to his, I like I I feel for him. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, thanks for being here, y'all, and thanks for listening. You can join us next week when we're talking about Gamera Super Monster. And uh, if you have Apple oh Podcasts, you should give us what I said. Oh boy, I'm excited! Oh uh, boy, so. yeah, a, a true treasure, a gem. I I don't think any of us have actually seen it. We just know what we're getting into. Yeah, isn't it like over two hours long? Oh, I don't know. Fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. We'll. You don't need to watch it. Just listen to our episode. It's fine. Don't watch it, folks. Uh, yeah, I need to watch it like three times. 
Uh, you can rate us and review us on any of the podcast apps. We would love that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, write a letter to a prisoner or put some money in a prisoner's commissary.